It's a privilege to be here, and I just want to tell you that I came back from the Pacific. We are still in the Pacific, but from Australia and New Zealand this last Sunday, and I'm still adjusting with the schedule. I was in a totally different schedule. I'm not only talking about time zone, um, but over there, the only thing we did pretty much was to preach, to eat, to sleep, and travel. So we didn't have to cook for a month and a half. We didn't have to clean the house for a month and a half. We didn't have to wash clothes for a month and a half. Not that we use the same clothes, like the people washed for us, praise the Lord. And now I come to Hawaii, I have to clean the house, I have to cook, I have to wash my clothes. It's a different schedule. I, <laughs> I have to get used with that again. But praise the Lord, I'm getting used to it. This morning I'm going to talk about the early rain and the latter rain because I believe it's a very relevant topic for Seventh-day Adventists. And I want to answer questions such as, what is the early and the latter rain? I don't want to assume that everyone here is in the same page, so I want to understand with you, what is this analogy that God gave to His people? The early and the latter rain. Second question is, what is the purpose of the early rain? Why God gave the early rain? And number three, what is the role of the latter rain? And finally, and the most important question is, how can I receive the early rain and the latter rain? Do you think it's an important question? Yes or no? Okay. So I want to begin in Isaiah 44. If you would please turn your Bible there to the book of Isaiah and chapter 44. And we are going to stay in the book of Isaiah for a little bit. Please don't close your Bibles. So let's go to Isaiah 44 and verse 3. And let's compete against the time so we can cover much ground this morning. Amen? Okay, Isaiah 44, verse 3. The Bible says there, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring. In order for you to fully understand this Bible verse, I want to teach you a principle of how to study the Bible. In today's poetry, people try to rhyme the words. They say one phrase, and the next phrase are similar words to try to rhyme. Isn't that true? But in biblical poetry, that's not the case. They try to rhyme the thoughts. Even though it's different words, they don't care about the words. They say one phrase, and they repeat the same thought with different words. I'll give an example. For example, in the book of uh, Psalms 25, verse 4, the Bible says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. And then he repeats the same thought. Teach me thy path. Therefore, show me is equal to teach me, and thy ways is equal to thy path. Different words, the same thought. And the next one, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And now he repeats, try me and know my thoughts. Therefore, we conclude that show, um, search me is equal to try me, and know my heart is equal to know my thoughts. Using this principle, I want to go to Isaiah 44 and verse 3. 
I have here on this screen to you, and I divide it in two colors, yellow and red. The yellow means the same thing, and the red the same thing. The Bible says there, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, of course, thirst after righteousness, and floods upon the dry ground. Dry ground is equal to him that is thirsty. I will pour my what? Spirit upon thy seed, the seed of Jacob, the Israelites, and my blessing upon thy offspring. So it is five layer. He repeats the same thought in different words. The blessing that the Lord wants to give to his people is his spirit. And the analogy used over here, it is water being poured from the presence of the Lord. Do you see that from the Bible? Yes or no? Okay, but how does the Bible cause this water being poured from the presence of the Lord? Let me show you, keep your Bibles in Isaiah, but in Joel chapter 2 verse 23, the Bible says there, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain moderately, and He will cause to come down for you the rain, the, which rain? Former rain and the latter rain. Former rain is equal to early rain. So this water, listen carefully, this water being poured from the presence of the Lord is described in the Bible as the early and the latter rain. But the question is, why will God pour upon His people the Holy Spirit in the form of early and the latter rain? Go back to Isaiah. Isaiah 44 in your Bibles. And the very next verse answers this question. Why God will pour His Spirit? Verse 4, the Bible says, And they shall, what is the next verb there? Spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. Not only that, if we go to Mark, here in the screen I have Mark chapter 4. The Bible says there, And the seed should, what? Spring and grow up. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear, continuing. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. I want you to notice the sequence. Water comes from the presence of the Lord, and we know it's his spirit. For God's people to spring up, grow up, Bear fruit. When the fruit is ripe or ready, what comes next? The harvest. Did you see the sequence? Therefore, the harvest cannot take place until the fruit is ripe. Is that true? Yes or no? Okay. So what is this harvest that will take place when the fruit is ready? Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 will answer... What is the harvest that will take place when the fruit is ripe or ready? Revelation 14, beginning in verse 14, I have a question for you, and the answer is in that verse. The Bible says there, verse 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Question for you. Who is this man sitting on the clouds of heaven? Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because it has crowns. And his coming in the clouds of heaven is a picture of Jesus' second coming. And the next verse, it goes on to say, verse 15, 
And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Trust in thy sickle and reap. For the time is come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is, what is the next word? Ripe. So when the harvest, the fruit is ripe, we will see Jesus coming again to harvest his people. But what is this fruit that must be ripe? Notice what the Spirit of Prophecy says. The object of Christian life is fruit-bearing. What is it? The reproduction of Christ's character in the believer. goes on. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. So what is this fruit that must be ripe? His character. The character of God's people must reflect the character of Jesus. Let's put prophetic language in these statements. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced, can we say when the fruit is ripe? Then he will come to harvest. Harvest them as his own. So it's very clear that the harvest, Jesus' second coming, will not take place until our character is fully reflecting Jesus' character. Therefore, if Jesus is taking a long time to come, it's because you and me, you and I, have not reflected Jesus' character. Does it make sense to you, yes or no? Okay. So what is the cause of the delay? The Bible says that he's not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering towards us, word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, key word, repentance. And do you remember what Jesus says to the Laodicean church in Revelation? Repent. So he's waiting not only for the world to repent, but for God's people to repent. I would like to tell you, if Jesus has not yet come, it's because of me. Instead of I saying because of them, because of you, we must say that because of me. Isn't that true? Okay, but how? How he will accomplish that? Yes, he wants us to reflect his character, but how will he accomplish that? Notice what it says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Second coming language. Behold, the husband then waited for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. So how can we reflect or produce this fruit to have the fruit ripe? We must wait for the early and the latter rain. Therefore, my friends, it is a must for God's people to receive the early rain and the latter rain. Are you following it's not optional. If we want to go back home, if we want Jesus to come again, it is a must for you and I to receive the early and the latter rain. Does it make sense? Yes. Yes? Okay. Let's move on. So here is the first question. What is the early and the latter rain? The work of the Holy Spirit in your life so you can perfectly reflect Jesus' character. But one thing you must understand, as you see in nature... You know that the early rain is different from the latter rain, isn't that true? They have different purpose upon 
the plant, the seed, the crop. Isn't that right? So it is with the work of the Holy Spirit under the early reign and the work of the Holy Spirit under the latter reign. They have different purpose. They don't have the same purpose. Keep that in mind. I will come back there. They have totally different purpose. That's why we need to understand what is the purpose of the early reign and the purpose of the latter reign. So let's proceed. Let's begin with the early reign. I want you to follow along with me. Many have in a great measure failed to receive which rain? The former rain. They have not obtained all the benefits that God has thus provided for them. They expect that the luck will be supplied by the latter rain. When the riches abundance of grace shall be bestowed, they intend to open their hearts to receive it. They are making what kind of mistake? terrible mistake. Why is it a terrible mistake? Here we see a group of people that is neglecting to receive the fullness of which rain? The former rain, the early rain, right? And they expect that when the latter rain falls, they will open their heart and receive it. But they are making what kind of mistake? Terrible mistake. Why? Because the work of the early rain is different from the work of the latter rain. If you miss the work of the early rain, the latter rain cannot supply that luck. Because it has a totally different purpose. Therefore, my friends, we must experience the fullness of the early rain. Amen? Okay, continuing. Those who come up to how many points? Every point. And stand how many tests? Every test. And overcome, be the price what it may have heeded the counsel of the true witness, and they will receive which rain? The latter rain. Start right here. Did you see that the latter rain comes after they have overcome every point, every test, be the price what it may, and they, they receive the latter rain. Therefore, we conclude that the latter rain is not supposed to help you to overcome. It's not the role of the, the early rain. Excuse me. It's not the role of the latter rain. It is the role of the early rain to help you to overcome. If that is not clear, listen to this statement. Today, Sabbath, you are to give yourself to God that you may be emptied of what? Self, emptied of envy, jealousy, evil surmising, evil speaking, strife, Everything that shall be dishonoring to God. Today you are to have your vessels purified, that it may be ready for the heavenly dew, ready for the showers of the latter rain. For the latter rain will come, and the blessing of God will fill every soul that is purified from how many defilements? Every defilement. So it's clear again that the latter rain will not fall until you are purified of every defilement of sin. Is that clear? Therefore, we conclude again that the purpose of the latter rain is not to help you to overcome sin, but it is the purpose of the early rain. Another statement. It will help us to receive the early rain. But there must be no neglect of the grace represented by the former rain. Only those who are living up to the light they have will receive greater light. Unless we are what? Daily advancing, developing our character. In the exemplification of the active Christian virtues, we shall not recognize the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign. It may be falling on hearts all around us, 
but we shall not discern or receive it. So here again, we see a group of people that are not advancing daily. They are not living up to the light they have. They are neglecting to walk in the light. And when the letter rain falls, they will not recognize. And if they do recognize, they will not receive it. Because they neglect to receive the early rain. How did they neglect? They are not walking according to the light they have. As we talk in the Sabbath schools, perhaps, I don't know, uh, we are rationalizing on the word of the Lord. We are not willing to give up self, forgive. We are not advancing daily, and the letter rain cannot fill our hearts at this condition. Okay, here we have, what is the role of the early rain? Whatever may be our inherited or cultivated tendencies to wrong, we can overcome through the power that he is ready to impart. Amen? Okay. So let's see the role of the letter ring. And then I have a bonus question over there. What comes first, the letter ring or the Sunday law? You don't need to answer now. We will study together. Amen? Okay, let's see the purpose of the letter ring. The first thing I want you to know, the different names that the letter ring receives in the spirit of prophecy. It is the letter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the loud cry of the third angel. In other words, different names, they are all synonymous. Letter rain, refreshing from the presence of the Lord, loud cry is all the same thing. So don't get confused if I use these terminologies. If you see this terminology in the spirit of prophecy, okay, they are all synonymous. Continuing, here is the purpose of the letter rain. Unless the early showers have done their work, the latter rain can bring no seed to what? Perfection. Wait a minute. I thought that the early rain was to overcome sin. But here it says that it is the latter rain that will bring the seed to perfection. Is it a contradiction? It is not, my friend. Overcome sin. We already established that under the early rain, you overcome every inherited and cultivated tendencies to wrong under the early reign. But I would like to suggest to you, and we will see in our studies, that Christian perfection is much more than victory over sin. There is a development that takes place under the latter reign that did not take place under the early reign. And as we move together, we will see that the latter reign falling near the close of the season ripens the grain and prepares it for the sickle, the second coming. The ripening of the grain represents the completion of the work of God's grace in the soul. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the moral image of God is to be perfected in the character. So there is a completion to be made under the latter reign. Okay. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And perhaps some of you are wondering why I'm going to the book of Acts to talk about the latter reign. I will tell you why. In the book Great Controversy, Ellen Dwight makes a parallel between the Pentecostal outpouring of the Spirit and the outpouring that will take place in the last days, the latter rain. She makes a parallel, do you know why? Because history repeats, isn't that true? In the Bible, we see over and over again that history repeats. Therefore, the Pentecostal outpour become a type of the outpouring that will take place in the last days. Type 
and anti-type. So with that in mind, let's read Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says there, But ye shall receive, what? Power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be, what is the next word? Witness, it's all right here. Did you see that you receive power when who is come upon you? Do you all agree? Yes or no? Okay. So the Holy Spirit come upon you, you receive power. I want you to notice that power is associated with the Holy Spirit. Keep that in mind. Very important. Power is associated with who? The Holy Spirit. Power for what? To witness to God. So with that in mind, I want you to go to Revelation 18, verse 1. Revelation 18, verse 1. In Revelation 18, verse 1, I want you to keep in mind that power is associated with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says there, we will see here what we call the fourth angel's message. Have you ever heard this terminology, the fourth angel's message? It comes after the three angels' message. And we know that the word angel in the Bible means what? Messenger, right? So here we see the messengers of the Lord in chapter 18. And I want you to notice the characteristics of God's people, God's messenger here in verse 1. The Bible says that, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having what? Great power, and power is associated with what? The Holy Spirit. So we see the messengers of the Lord with great power because they received the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit. And notice the influence of their work because they received the latter rain. Having the great power and the earth was lighting with His glory. So because they received power from the Holy Ghost, the whole earth was lighting with His glory. The whole earth received the gospel. We will get more into that. But here we see the spreading of the message because they received the letter rain. So that's another purpose of the letter rain, to preach the gospel into the whole world. So you cannot preach Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached you know, to, to the whole earth, and then the end shall come. You cannot preach that message without emphasizing the letter rain. Because it is the latter rain that will help us to preach the gospel. Amen? Okay. Notice this statement. Talking about the purpose of the latter rain, it says, It is the latter rain which revives and strengthens them to pass through the time of trouble. Another purpose of the latter rain? To help you to go through the time of trouble. Do you think that is important? Okay. There are a few things we need to understand here before answering that question. What comes first, the latter rain or the national Sunday law? There are a few things I want you to understand. The first thing is the latter rain is three in one. What do I mean by that? Let me show a statement from the Spirit of Prophecy. I saw another angel come down from heaven. We just read that passage. Having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. This represents the giving of the last and what? Threefold message of warning to the world. What is this threefold message that will be given to the world? 
the three angels message so here you'll see God's people proclaim the message with great power and it says it is a threefold message that will be proclaimed to the world and we know that the three angels message must be procla- must be proclaimed in order first angels message and then when the people reject the first angels message you proclaim Babylon is falling come out of her my people do not receive her plagues okay we see the very same picture during the Millerite movement they proclaim from 1840 to 1844 they proclaim fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come yes they misunderstood the judgment but they proclaimed the first angels message and then when the church rejected that message they proclaimed Babylon is falling you see it must be proclaimed in order okay keep that in mind it will help us to understand the question there okay let me reason with you a little bit why is it important to understand also that is a threefold message because there are certain statements in the spirit of prophecy that seems to contradict but they don't if you understand is a threefold message, they don't contradict I will show these three statements the last rays of merciful lights the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love the children of God are to manifest his glory and in their own life and character they are to review what the grace of God has done for them so here it says that the last message of grace is God's people giving glory to God and calling people to give glory to God very similar to the first angels message calling people to reflect God's character now you see another statement great power and glory were imparted to the angel and as he descended the earth was lightened with his glory and notice in the last phrase what that angel proclaimed Babylon the great is falling is falling and then you see another statement very none that says come out of her my people that ye be not partake of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues very similar to the third angel's message that warn people not to receive the mark of the beast or else they will drink the wrath of God which is the seven last plagues is it contradicting no if you understand it is a threefold message that must be proclaimed to the world in the last days okay another thing I want you to understand the latter rain is a season not a day how do I know that go to the book of Acts now you don't need to turn there actually if you see the Pentecostal outpouring the outpouring of the Spirit during the 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 Apostolic Church you will see that the Spirit was poured from Acts chapter 2 all the way to Acts chapter 19 you will see that there because the outpouring of the Spirit was not just like in that day the fifth day after the Passover the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples and that's it no more outpouring of the Spirit was not like that so it will be in the last days the latter rain is not an event one day that falls and that's it it is a season not a day another thing I want you to understand is the latter rain fall upon the Gentiles what do I mean by that who is the spiritual Jews according to the spirit of prophecy 
Who are the spiritual Jews? The church. More specific, she named the church, the Seventh-day Adventists are the spiritual Israelites. Who are the spiritual Gentiles in the last days? If the Jews are the Seventh-day Adventists, who are the Gentiles? All the others that don't know our message, right? That is not part of our message, including other churches. How do I know that they will receive the latter rain too? How do I know that? Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, really quick. Acts chapter 10. I know perhaps some of you were expect, expecting a, like a, a more watered-down message for Christmas time, but, you know, the Lord impressed me to preach this one. Okay, Acts chapter 10, beginning verse 44. The Bible says there, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, verse 45, and they of the circumcision, Jews, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that this should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? So what is taking place over here? So Peter is preaching the word with power. He received the outpouring of the Spirit. And as he is preaching, who receives the Holy Spirit? The Gentiles. And all the Jews are astonished. Whoa! The Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles too. So it will be in the last days. Finally, a group of Seventh-day Adventists, they will overcome every sin, every defilement of sin. They will claim the promise of the latter rain, and they will receive the latter rain, they, they will go out, preach with power, and as they preach the message, guess who will receive the latter rain? The Gentiles. And they will be astonished. I mean, it took me years to receive the latter rain. It took me years to understand that there is no other way but to trust and obey. It took me years to understand I surrender all, seeking the loss and all those things. It took me years. Now I preach the gospel to you, and then you accept the message and receive the latter rain. Let me tell you a story so you will not be so astonished at that time. Many of you perhaps don't know, but I'm a co-porter. And one time I was co-portering in... North Carolina, or maybe South, I'm not sure. And I was knocking on the door, I met this family. And they were working in their garden. And I introduced myself and I began with my, message, uh, my health books to break the ice. And as I showed my health books, they looked to one another and said, we were planning to become vegetarian. We want your health books. And then they bought all my health books. And then I switched to message books. And then the wife looked to the husband and says, Honey, we can read this one together in the morning. So I noticed that they have family worship. And then they bought several spirit prophecy books. That's what they read for their morning devotion. They go straight to the source of light, the Bible and the spirit prophecy. 
And then I switched to children's book. And they want my children's book, all of them. Do you know why? They homeschool their children. They do not allow the world to mold their character. As far, you know, as far, as much as they know, they want to educate their children. And then finally I closed. Now actually they asked me, how much are these books? I said, most people help with $80, but if you feel impressed, you can help with more. And then he tells the, the wife, give him 120 I noticed he was not selfish. And I noticed those people were living up to the light they have. They are living the Adventist message even though they don't know our message. They are developing their character. They are advancing daily. And when the latter rain falls and they hear the loud cry, the message, they will cross to our side. Not that they are beginning from the very bottom, but they have been advancing daily. We may have the right day. It doesn't mean we have the character. But they may not have the right day, but many of them have the character. And who received first? The apostles, the faithful Jews, they received first. So it will be in the last days, Seventh-day Adventists received the latter rain first. And as they proclaim to the world, they will receive, many of them will receive the latter rain. Why will they receive the latter rain? To help us to finish the work. Have you ever heard that parable of Jesus, the 11th hour worker? Yes or no? Yes? The workers that come in the last hour to help to finish the work? You know why they are called workers? Because they work. The Lord can entrust them the latter rain. Because the Lord knows if he pours upon them the latter rain, they will use for the right purpose. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. Can the Lord entrust you with much? Will you make the right use of the latter rain? So here's the question. We will try to put all together now what we have studied. What comes first, the latter rain or the Sunday law? I will give you three statements, and then you will be able to answer that question. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church is looked forward as into the future. But it is the privilege of the church to have it. Come on. No. Seek for it, pray for it, believe for it. We must have it, and heaven is waiting to bestow it. While people are putting the descent of the Holy Spirit in the future, sometime in the future, God is saying, no, I'm willing to give you now. It's up to us to overcome every point, every test, be the price what it may, and claim the promise. Let us with contrite hearts pray most earnestly that now, in the time of the latter rain, the showers of grace may fall upon us. Now we are living in the time of the latter rain. Do you believe that? I don't hear many amen. As you pray, believe, trust in God. It is the time of the latter rain. When the Lord will give largely of His Spirit, be fervent in prayer and watch in the Spirit. Again, it is the time of the latter rain. 
The latter way, my friends, is not waiting for the National Sunday Law to pass. And when I talk about National Sunday Law, I'm talking about prophetic events. I'm not talking about Sunday Law in Germany, in Croatia, in Brazil. No, I'm talking about an event describing the book, The Great Controversy. The National Sunday Law, I'm not talking about blue laws that have no effect upon the people. While many people are putting the outpouring of the Spirit after the National Sunday Law, God is saying, listen, you can have it now. People have been preaching that when the National Sunday Law comes, God's people will be so afraid that they will humble themselves and receive the latter rain. But fear is not the right motivation for revival. It's not fear that will revive you. It may revive you for a little bit. You may have that pump for maybe one year, but eventually it will fade. We will learn what is the right motivation for revival. But it's not fear of the Sunday law or the time of trouble. Look what this statement says here. Let there be a revival of the faith and the power of the early church. Stop right here. What is the revival and the power of the early church? By the way, power is associated with what? The Holy Spirit. So let there be an outpouring of the Spirit like there was in the early church. And the spirit of persecution will be revived and the fires of persecution will be rekindled. We have been preaching the papacy is coming. When the papacy is not coming, do you know why? Because they don't even know who we are. We have no power to trouble the papacy and the fallen church of Babylon. Like the disciples in the days of the apostolic church before receiving the outpouring, what were they doing after the resurrection of Jesus? What were they doing? Hiding. Why were they hiding? They were afraid, afraid of persecution. Was there anyone persecuting them? Yes or no? No? They persecuted Jesus because Jesus had the power. Once they killed Jesus, the disciples had no power. They didn't care about the disciples, but the disciples were hiding. They are coming. So Seventh-day Adventists, they are preaching years after years. They are coming when they are not coming. Let there be a revival. Let there be an outpour of the Spirit, and then you will see them coming. If you understand Daniel 11, tidings out of the east, troubled the king of the north, we must have that power to trouble the foundations of Babylon, and then you will see the outpouring. So let me put it all together. Because I believe this question, what comes first? The latter rain or the national Sunday law? It is a faulty question. Why do I say that? Remember that the latter rain is a season, not an event. As God's people go out to preach, the first angel's message under the power of the latter rain, the light goes to the whole world. The earth is enlightened with the glory of God. And now the church, they are afraid to lose their flocks. And they reject the light by passing a national Sunday law to try to, as an attentive, to stop the loud cry. And when the national Sunday law is passed as a result of the outpouring of the Spirit, now we preach the second angel's message under the power of the latter rain. Babylon is falling. They reject it. They receive the light but they rejected. Come out of her, my people. 
And as people are coming out of Babylon, what are they receiving? The Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit, the latter one, will fall before the National Sunday Law and after the National Sunday Law because it is a season, not a day. Who received first? Seventh-day Adventists. As they proclaim their message with power, the spiritual Gentiles, as they cross over, they become spiritual Jews, of course. The 11th hour workers to help us to finish the work. Okay, I will read a statement from the great controversy over here. Very important. It's maybe three slides or four. The power attending the message, power is dealing with the Holy Ghost, will only maddening those who oppose it. The clergy, stop right here. Who is the clergy? Pastors, priests, religious leaders. Okay, the clergy, the religious leaders will put forth almost superhuman efforts to shut away the light, lest it should shine upon their flocks. So the message is being proclaimed with power. The religious leaders are trying to stop the message. They are trying to do everything they can. And notice what they do, finally. By every means at their commands, the, the clergy, they will endeavor to suppress the discussions of these vital questions. The church appeals to the strong arm of civil power, and in this work, papists and Protestants unite. So you see that as an attempt to stop the loud cry, they appeal to the civil powers. As the movement for Sunday enforcement becomes more bold and decided, the law will be invoked, what is the next word? Against commandment keepers. Keyword, against. The law will be invoked not because they decide to have a national Sunday law, no, it will be invoked against commandment keeper. Why? What is wrong with these people? They are troubling the papacy and the church of Babylon. They are causing trouble in the world. And the law will be invoked against commandment keepers because they have power. They are preaching the message. They will be threatened with fines the very beginning of National Sunday Law. No death decree yet. They will be threatened with fines and imprisonments, and some will be offered positions of influence, and others rewards and advantage as inducements to renounce their faith. But their steadfast answer is, show us from the word of God our error. Amen? So it is clear, my friends, that it is the power of the message that will bring the union of church and state, completely, of course. Thousands in the 11th hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to the truth will be made with a rapidity that will surprise the church, and God's name alone will be glorified. When it says conversion with rapidity, it's talking about transformation of heart. What is the role of the latter rain? Number one to bring Christian maturity, the final molding in the character. Number two, to preach the gospel to the world. Number three, to give strength to go through the time of trouble. That's why it's a must for God's people. So let's conclude with how can we receive the early and the latter rain? The most important question, you cannot miss this part. Okay, notice this statement over here. 
the convocations of the church, as in camp meetings, the assemblings of the home church, and all occasions where there is personal labor for souls, are God's appointed opportunity for giving the early and the latter rain. So, is this gathering right now an opportunity for you to receive the Holy Spirit, yes or no? As conviction comes to your heart, you must ask God to write these words in your heart. You must ask God to come into your life and to take your will. Because you do not possess the will to make this decision. It is surrender that we need. The Holy Spirit will come to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbor. What is he talking about? Begging for the bread of life to give to your neighbor. What is it referring to? What? Christ to give to your neighbor? Be more specific. And the answer is right there. Systematic labor. So winning. Notice what it says. The Holy Spirit will come to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. I'm not trying to preach salvation by works. As you work for Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit. No, 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 that's not what I'm trying to preach. However, those that work for Jesus, they know that they cannot give a Bible study unless they study the Bible and pray. Isn't that true? And as they are in communion with God, guess what they are receiving? The Holy Spirit. They cannot knock on doors unless they pray before going door to door. And they cannot go out and minister for people without seeing the hand of God moving upon the heart. And they become acquainted with their Savior. Not only they experience the blessing of the Christian life, but they learn what it means to suffer for Jesus. We should preach more about suffering for Jesus. What do you think? You know, Paul preached all the time. Have you ever read, like, like Philippians? How much he rejoiced in his tribulation? Why he rejoiced in tribulation? Because he experienced what Christ experienced. And he, as he experienced that, he appreciated more what Christ has done for him. And he learns to love Christ even more. That's another way to receive the early and then the letter rang. Another one, there is not an impulse of our nature, not a faculty of the mind, or an inclination of the heart, but needs to be moment by moment under the control of who? The Spirit of God. Do you remember that verse that says, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every what? Somebody said. Every thought into the obedience of Christ. So as thoughts come to your mind, listen carefully. As thoughts come to our minds that exalt against the knowledge of God, you know it's wrong that it's called temptation. That's not a sin. What do you do then? You bring into captivity the obedience of Christ. Lord, please take my thoughts, take my heart, moment by moment. 
I saw that none, uh, none could share the refreshing, and refreshing is another name for the latter rain, unless they obtain the victory over every besetment, over what? Pride, selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong word and action. We should therefore be drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord. When they sanctify themselves, so that love for one another is seen and felt, then the showers of grace of the Holy Spirit will just as surely come upon them. You know, have you ever heard people saying that uh, love is a principle? Even though I don't feel love towards you, I have to love you anyway. Have you ever heard something like this? Yes, that is true. Love is a principle. It's more than sentimentalism, but feelings are included in true love. Love must be seen and felt among ourselves. Sometimes we have to get out of the way, you know. Some people are hard to deal with. Isn't that true? Like some people just... But you have to go out of your way to try to keep peace and love. Satan will, if possible, prevent them from obtaining a preparation to stand in that day. He will so arrange affairs as to head up their way, entangle them with earthly treasures, cause them to carry a heavy, wearisome burden, that their hearts may be overcharged with the cares of this life, and the day of trial may come upon them as the thief. So what is Satan trying to do to prevent you to be ready for the last day events? Cause you to carry a heavy burden, debts, earthly possessions. And I'm not suggesting that you cannot be rich. If the Lord give you rich, be happy. Praise the Lord. Use for, to advance his cause. Use to uh, release the suffering of humanity. And use for your own necessities. Praise God. But the problem is like people are just wanting more and more and more that they have no time for the Lord. No time for the family. No time for the work of saving souls. Because they are so burdened with the cares of this life. Let's put it all together. How can we receive the early rain? First, every church gathering is an opportunity. Personal labor for souls. Self-surrender moment by moment, love for one another, come up to every point, victory over sin, and then we claim the promise, believe and claim the promise. Which promise? Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. There is just one more thing I want to share you, share with you about that angel in Revelation 18. Turn there with me. I want to close with this. Revelation 18. There is something about that angel that we didn't explore. Yes, we saw that that angel had power. And we know that they receive, that angel received power from the Holy Ghost. But that angel has something else. Verse 1, it says, 
And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his, what is the next word? Glory. glory. Where did that angel get that glory from? Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. And let's see where God's messenger got that glory to enlighten the earth. Galatians chapter 6. And verse 14. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, But God forbid that I should glory, save where? Where is the only place I can glory, according to this verse? Okay. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. So the motivation he found to crucify itself to the world is the cross of Jesus. What Christ has done for him was not fear of the Sunday law, was not fear of the time of trouble. No, no, none of that. It is a realization of Christ's love for you. Now you understand when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But who lives in me? Not I, but Christ liveth in me. That is full surrender. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who, who can finish this verse? Who loved me and gave himself for me. His motivation to be crucified and allow Christ to live in his life, to take out his cross and follow Christ, was a realization that Christ loved him and gave himself for him. That is the only reason we should give our lives completely to Jesus. That is my appeal to you, that you may behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. I'm not watering down the message in the end, what is it? You know, you are preaching so, you know, high message over here. Now in the end you said that it is the love of God. Yes, it is the love of God, my friends. We must contemplate Christ and learn from Him how to be like Him. For beholding by beholding we become changing. May God bless you.